Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. What is up, my friends? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Grant Baldwin here. Good to have you here with us today. We are on episode 86, talking all about hiring staff. Now, as you're building and growing your business, you're going to get to a point where you can do all that you can do and you can do no more. Uh, and at that point, you got to start figuring out, do you want to build? Do you want to grow? Do you want to add other people in? And so there's a lot that can go into that. So we're going to be discussing and talking all about that today. Hey, before we get into that, though, let me quickly remind you, if you haven't already, you definitely want to join us for one of our upcoming online webinars where we're teaching all about how to find and book paid speaking engagements. So again, if you haven't joined us, you can go to freespeakerworkshop.com, freespeakerworkshop.com, and uh, you can register for the next online workshop and training that we've got. We do them all the time. And uh, again, we just want to teach you and help you in your speaking business. So we'd love, love, love to have you come hang out with us. Again, totally free, totally online. You don't have to travel anywhere. You can stay home in your jammy jams and uh, join us for that. All right, so let's get into uh, today's conversation. Let's talk about hiring staff. Enjoy. All right, my friend. So this is a question that I got recently and one that I get from time to time from people who are basically wondering what should be your first hire as a speaker and what is it that they should do? You know, as the business continues to grow and expand and you have a lot more on the plate and a lot less time to fulfill your obligations and what it takes to run the business. This is a place where a lot of speakers and entrepreneurs get to where they're going, okay, I'm interested in, in hiring, but I just have no idea how to go about that process. And again, I think it's something that a lot of speakers, uh, we just have a difficult time with. You know, We like the idea of having someone to help us in our business, maybe even get a handle on things that we don't like to do or things that we're not good at or things we just don't want to do, but we worry about how we're going to pay for that person. Where do we find that person? Can we trust that person? Can we afford someone? On and on the list goes. I know for me personally, several years ago, I was at a uh, an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial yeah let's go with that entrepreneurial conference. I was listening to a session about hiring and building your team, and the speaker said something that was really simple, but just really really resonated with me. She basically said that we all have the same amount of time. We all have 24 hours in a day, and no matter how much you optimize your time and your output and all of that stuff, you still only have those 24 hours in a day. So there's a limit to what you can do on your own. There's a limit to what you are capable of doing. But what's great is is that everyone else in the world has the same 24 hours in a day. And so you can actually buy time from them. So your 24 hours plus buying a few hours from someone else's time, and now all of a sudden, you're able to do way more than what you thought you could do on your own. And so when she said this, this just really clicked and resonated how true this is. You can actually buy time from other people. Time is the most valuable commodity and resource that any of us have. And so knowing that we all have a limited amount of it, 
it's a scarce resource, but you can use other people's time and obviously compensate them for that time to help you in your business. So for our conversation today, I'm going to walk through a couple of different key questions related to hiring. Uh, we're going to talk about, do you even need to hire? What should you hire someone to do? We're going to talk about how much you should pay this person. And then who is the right person and where do you actually find them? So we're going to walk through all of that today. And then I'm also going to walk through my own team and kind of my evolution of hiring and building a team and what all my team members do and kind of how that's all made up. So let's start with that first question. Do you need to hire? Do you even need to hire? I think sometimes we see other people who have hired and we think that automatically we should hire someone too, but that's not necessarily the case. Just because some other entrepreneur or speaker has hired someone to help them in their business in some way doesn't necessarily mean it makes sense for you to hire. Now, there are a lot of different philosophies when it comes to hiring, but here would be a couple of thoughts of kind of how I approach hiring, especially whenever it comes to early on in your business. A big thing would be that I would recommend that you only hire when it hurts. Hire when it hurts. What I mean by that is that you want to be able to do as much as you can on your own in the beginning. Now, as a caveat, I would say do as much as you can as long as you have the skill set to do it. So, for example, one thing I've never been able to do and I've always hired for since the beginning of my business was graphic design. I don't know how to design, nor would I be good at it. I don't have the tools or the skill sets or anything like that. So from the beginning, that was something that I've always paid someone else to do. But there are a lot of other little tasks that I could tolerate doing and do a decent job at that I decided to do until it hurt. And so meaning, once I got to the point where I couldn't do it all on my own, then I decided to make my first hire. And so I recommend this for most speakers and entrepreneurs for two primary reasons. One is that, especially in the beginning, cash is king in a new business. Cash is king in a new business. So when I got started speaking, I wanted to keep as much of that cash in the business and taking it home as possible so that I could quit my job sooner and focus on speaking full time sooner. So the sooner you're able, or the sooner you start siphoning off some of that revenue to another person, the longer it may take you to grow, the longer it may take you to quit your job and become a full time speaker or entrepreneur. So limiting your expenses and hiring people can be one of the biggest expenses of any business. So in the beginning, try to limit that as much as possible for as long as possible. The other reason, number two, that I would recommend waiting on making your first hire until it hurts is you don't necessarily know what you need. I know early in your speaking business, you may want to hire someone, but you may have no idea what you actually need them to do. And so throwing your hands up and saying, all right, I just need help. I just, I, I can't do it all. That, like, that's not an acceptable answer or solution. So for me, it was personally, it was very helpful to handle basically everything early on. So meaning that I handled booking my own travel. I handled dealing with contracts. I handled following up with clients. I dealt with accounting and bookkeeping and all the different moving pieces just so I could figure out what I would need help with. So we're going to talk more about that in just a second. But again, you can't just say like, well, I just, I just need help. So I'm just going to hire someone and hopefully they can come in and just help me. No, no, you have to get super, super clear on that. And so early on in the business, you may not know what you need until you've got knee deep in it in a lot of different places. So it's a good question to ask in the beginning is, do you even need to hire? Does it even make sense for you to hire? So let's keep moving on. Question number two, how are you feeling so far? Are you doing all right? 
All right, question number two is what should you hire someone to do? What should you hire someone to do? Again, one of the biggest mistakes in, uh, that speakers and entrepreneurs can make is just not getting clear on their needs until after they hire someone. Listen, that does not work. You need to know before you hire someone exactly what you need so you know exactly what it is that you're looking for. Let me give you a good exercise on this topic. It actually comes from the book Virtual Freedom from my buddy Chris Ducker. We actually talked with back in episode 15, so we'll link up to both the book and to Chris's episode, but Virtual Freedom by Chris. Um, It's a great book, highly recommend and Chris recommends a great exercise where you basically you make three lists, three lists. The first is a list of tasks that you don't like doing. First is a list of tasks that you don't like doing. So basically any task that makes you cringe or procrastinate. So maybe for you it's, it's handling basic inquiries or basic you know customer service questions. Maybe it's managing social media. Maybe it's dealing with your website. Make a list of those things that you don't like doing. And again, Anything can be on this list except for selling, all right? Selling is one of those first things that I know all speakers want to hire for. I don't like to sell myself. I hate looking for business. I don't want to send emails or make phone calls. I'm not good at selling. All right, let me go on a little rant here. I'm going to go on a little tangent. Selling has to be one of your top priorities because it is the lifeblood of your business. As a speaker, as an entrepreneur, selling is an absolute must. No one should know your product or your service better than you. Whenever I got started speaking, uh, I felt exactly the same way that I would love for someone to go out and find business for me or even just have someone who would sell me whenever I get leads. And in fact, I did that for a little bit. I'd actually hired someone who was an assistant to help me in my business early on. I would handle the sales and marketing. And eventually I turned things over to her to handle more of the sales part for it. So basically, when a potential client would reach out, rather than me talking to them, I would have her talk to them. And we did this for a little while, and I became more hands-off. And like many of you, I just wanted to go out and speak. I didn't want to do the hard work of finding the business. And so I turned it over to her. And you know what happened? My business really suffered. Not because she did anything wrong. She did exactly what I taught her to do. But again, it comes back to no one can sell you better than you. And so whenever I'm talking to a potential client and learning about their events, I can find out past speakers who may be friends of mine. I can talk in depth about how I could customize my material for them. I could talk about how their event is similar to another client that I worked with and here are the results. And so a third-party person cannot do that on your behalf. Plus, remember one thing I say a lot is, again, this is a relationship business. People do business with people they know, like, and trust. And so when a potential client is looking to hire a speaker and they're talking with two different speakers, who do you think they're going to be more interested in? The speaker that they haven't even got to talk to and just got to talk to an assistant who gave them a bunch of nice generic answers or the actual speaker that they got to talk to and learn about their event and how the speaker could help. And so for 99.9% of speakers, I do not recommend that you hire the sales part of your job. Listen to that. Let that sink in. I do not recommend that you hire the sales part of your job. Even today, when we have leads come in, my assistant will screen them basically to find out if they're legit or even a fit. And if we think we are a fit, then I will personally call them and follow up with them for their event. I don't want to delegate that piece again because, again, it is the lifeblood of the business. And I know, again, some speakers may be thinking, well, I'll just just find a bureau or I'll just find an agent to book me. 
We actually, we talked about both of these uh, more in depth back in episode 24. We talked about bureaus. We talked with a, a buddy of mine who runs one of the major speaker bureaus in the country. So go back and listen to that episode, episode 24. Plus, we also talked in episode 46. So episode 24 and episode 46. In episode 46, we talked all about speaker agents and how they work and all of that. But I'll give you the Cliff Notes versions on both of those. Okay. Listen, if you can't book yourself then a bureau or an agent is not going to be interested in booking you. Let me say that again. Let that sink into your thick skull, speaker. If you can't book yourself, then a bureau or an agent is not going to be interested in booking you. You have to learn how to find and book speaking engagements on your own without being dependent on someone else to build your business. Listen again, I am all for hiring and delegating and getting people to help you in the growth of your business, but especially early on, sales should not be something that you delegate, all right? Whew. All right, I'm going to get off my soapbox there. Return to regularly scheduled programming, all right? So the first, again, the first of those three lists that, of tasks that you should make is tasks that you don't like doing. And remember, sales cannot be on that list, all right? Let's keep moving on. Second list. The second list should be tasks that you don't know how to do. Second list should be tasks that you don't know how to do. So like I mentioned, I don't know graphic design. I know very little about WordPress. I know very little about how to program or code. I don't know how to edit our podcast. So make a list of what you don't know how to do. Then the third list should be the task that you feel like you shouldn't be doing. Tasks that you feel you shouldn't be doing. This is not because you're a superior human being or that you're too good for some task. And so you have to realize as an entrepreneur and a speaker, where can you best invest your time in your business? So here's a good question to consider. What is it that only you can do? What is it that only you can do? I know in my business, there's a few things that only I can do. Number one, only I can speak, right? That makes sense, right? Number two, only I do our podcast. Number three, only I do our webinars. So there are some things that only you can do in your business. But that also means that there are probably some tasks that you can do that maybe you don't mind doing and could continue to do just fine, but may not be the best use of your time. So for speakers, this would be things like uh, booking travel, bookkeeping, accounting, shipping product, following up with a client for an invoice or to get them to sign a contract. You know, Could you do that stuff? Of course. But is it the best use of your time? Probably not. And so again, what I would recommend, first of all, is that you take the time to go through this exercise and create these three lists. Let me give those to you again. Number one, task you don't like doing. Number two, task you don't know how to do. And number three, task you feel you shouldn't be doing. So task you don't like doing, task you don't know how to do, and task you feel like you shouldn't be doing. So again, I'd also I'd recommend that you go pick up that book, uh, Virtual Freedom, from uh, Chris Ducker to talk more about these lists and how to actually use them. All right. Next question. Number three is this. Number three is how much should you pay this person? So again, let's assume at this point, you've got a good idea of what it is that you're looking for, of where you're needing some help. So next question, how much should you pay this person? Well, let me start by saying, I do not recommend that you hire a full-time person right out of the gate. I think for most speakers and entrepreneurs, one, you don't have enough for them to do quite yet. And number two, you just can't afford a full-time person. So Let's just go ahead and bust that myth that if you're hiring, the only option is you have to hire a full-time person and you need to provide them with a full-time salary with lots of benefits. All right, that is just not true. So you can start by hiring someone for as little as, as five hours of work, you know, five hours a week or 
five hours a month even. You know, for example, I pay someone to come mow my yard once a week. So a crew shows up, crew of a couple different guys. They get an entire yard mowed, trimmed, everything swept up in less than 30 minutes. They just they show up, they do it, and they're gone. And they do that once a week. So in the course of a month, I pay for about two hours of their time. I don't need a full-time groundskeeper. That's dumb. I need someone for two hours per month to mow my yard a few times. So that's really what you want to be looking for is you don't need a full-time person. You just need someone that can help you in a couple areas of your business. So as it relates to paying someone, for most hiring early on, there's three primary ways that you can pay someone. Number one, you can pay them hourly. Number two, you could pay them per project. Or number three, you could pay them on commission. So hourly per project and commission. Now I use all three of these different ways. So if I'm having someone do a single standalone project like a graphic design project or building a website, paying as a one-time project is the simplest way to go. But if you were to need more ongoing help in your business, it may make sense to hire someone on an hourly basis. I'm also, I'm a really big fan of commissions because it gives someone a stake in the outcome and it can also help your cash flow. Meaning that the only way that, uh, excuse me, they only make money when you make money. But again, commissions should generally be tied to revenue producing activities. So since we talked about that earlier, that you're not going to be delegating sales, then adding in commissions may be something that, that comes later down in the road for you. So if you can't delegate sales because Grant is a meanie head and he's not going to let you, then the most common next area that you might delegate or hire for would be administrative task. So this is what I first hired for in my business when I was at the point when I was doing about 30 plus events per year, I decided to hire someone. And so again, I knew I didn't need a full-time person, although I didn't mind handling the details of those different events. I knew that, like we talked about, that it wasn't necessarily the best use of my time. And so I hired someone that could handle the details of each individual event. So basically, I wanted to be able to book the event and then turn over all the logistics to someone else. And so that would include sending the contract, making sure that we got paid, gathering speaking details, booking travel, and just generally being kind of a liaison between me as the speaker and the event. And so that's what I hired for. And what I ended up doing was paying her uh, somewhat per project or per event in this case. And so basically what we did is we figured out all of the steps that were involved in every single booking. We put together a huge checklist of what needs to happen with every single event that I speak at. And so in fact, we include that checklist in the Booked and Paid to Speak master level of the course. And so if you're interested in that, let us know. And, And that's part of that Booked and Paid to Speak training course. But what we decided to do was to pay her a flat amount per each event that I did. And so I think early on, I think we paid something like $75 to $100 per event. So for example, if I booked a gig for $3,000 in the beginning, it was a no-brainer to pay someone $100 to handle all of the details and logistics for me. Plus, again, like I mentioned before, this really helped with cash flow. So she only got paid when I got paid. So basically, when I was busy, she was busy. When I had a lot of speaking revenue coming in, she was making a lot of money. But the opposite was also true. When I was slow, she was slow. And when there was nothing coming in, I wasn't stuck paying her money that I didn't have. So today with our team, it's a mix of hourly per project and a little bit of commission in there as well. And I'm going to get into that, into the details of that more in just a minute. All right, now let's go into the last question. Number four is who is the right person and where do you find them? Who's that right person and where do you find them? 
In terms of who the right person is, a lot of it depends on what you need. Again, we talked about this earlier. You got to get super, super clear on what it is that you're looking for. If you're looking for more of an admin type of role, you want to find someone who is insanely organized and detail-oriented. If you need a graphic designer, you want to look at their work and see if it gels with what it is that you're looking for, if you kind of like their style. And so again, like I said, a lot of this goes back to what we talked about in the beginning of just being super clear on where you need help so you know exactly what you're looking for. Otherwise, how would you know if you, if you found it if you don't know what you're looking for, right? So as far as where you actually find that person, I always recommend that you start with your own network or audience. So post something on Facebook or Twitter, let people know exactly what it is that you're looking for. Sometimes you'll find someone from your own network and other times people in your network may know of someone who may be a good fit. I know for us personally, we actually just posted for a job recently. We got so many applicants who said, you know, so-and-so was the one that actually told me about this opportunity. So I'd start with your own personal network. And then I'd also look in your professional network. I know a lot of times I would ask other speakers or entrepreneurs who they have used in a similar role or who they would recommend. And so a lot of my hires have actually come from a referral or a recommendation from someone else who has worked with that person before. If you have an email list, any type of audience, I would email out and say, hey, this is what I'm, I'm looking for. And again, even if someone in your audience isn't necessarily the fit, they may know of someone who might be a good fit for what it is that you're looking for. So beyond that, you may post something on Craigslist if you're wanting someone local or even look at a site like Upwork. You can find that at upwork.com. I've hired on Upwork before with mixed results. It used to be known as Elance, but it's basically a place where you can post what you're looking for. You'll literally have people from all over the world who can apply for that position. And so it's typically freelance contractors, mostly for one-off projects, but you may be able to find some more ongoing help depending on what you're looking for. Um, if you're looking for a more ongoing admin type of person, you may check out a site like EA Help. Dot com. It's the letters E-A and then help, all one word there, E-A-help.com. They're kind of like, almost like like a match.com for virtual assistants. Like, I, don't, I just made that up. All of their virtual assistants are basically, they're pre-screened and they're generally very qualified, which is good, but oftentimes you're going to end up paying more for that. So whoever you decide to hire, Another thing I would recommend for you is that you would do like a 30 to 60 day trial run. And so when you hire someone, you're not making this lifelong commitment. You may get into it and the relationship just isn't working for you for whatever reason, for either of you. And you have to let them go. That happens. I know for me, I've, I've had several people that I've had to let go over the years. And sometimes they just weren't a fit anymore. Sometimes they just outgrew the, outgrew the, the role and it was just natural time for them to move on. But having a trial run in place to say, hey, let's just try this for 30 days, for 60 days. And that way you both have an exit ramp if you decide it's not a good fit. Now, with that in mind, let me walk through what my team is like today, what it is that they all do, uh, how they are paid, uh, all of that stuff. And before that, though, I want to tell you a couple things just about our team overall. Uh, number one is this. Number one is that everyone is virtual. Everyone is virtual. We have team members in Missouri and Texas and California. I'm in Tennessee. We have people in Canada, uh, several people overseas as well. And so with the technology available, I personally, I like hiring people virtually. I like working virtually so we don't have to have the overhead of an office space. And it allows me to find the best possible talent regardless of where they're located. So I've, in fact, I've, I've had a few team members that I've never even met in person. Some that we worked together for a year or two before we'd actually met in person. So everyone on my team is virtual. 
The second thing, number two, is that nobody is full-time. Nobody is full-time. Everybody ranges from five to 30 hours per week, give or take, but no one uh, other than myself, I guess, is considered full-time. The other thing, number three, on our team is that there are no employees. There are no employees. Everyone is a contractor. Everyone is a 1099 contractor. And so basically what that means is, is that we don't withhold taxes and we don't provide any benefits such as, as insurance or like a 401k plan. So basically we pay people well and they are responsible for paying the taxes out of what we give them. And so for the differences between like a, a contractor and an employee, nutshell is you're, you're, you're going to want to consult a, a CPA or a, a tax professional, neither of which that I, I would be. So again, I say this to you just kind of a caveat, just so you kind of have a sense of what our team is like and how things are kind of structured and set up. I'd also mention that our team has grown and changed dramatically. What I hired for five years ago is very different than what I would need today. And so my business has evolved dramatically and we have a lot of different roles that we wouldn't have needed even two years ago. And so keep that in mind as well, that, that your business may look very different than mine and vice versa. I uh, have speaker and entrepreneur friends who hire for roles that I just don't need, but they do. So hire for what makes sense for you and for your business not because I or someone else have someone in that particular role. So, all right, let me kind of walk through my team and kind of what who we work with and kind of what that looks like. Person that's been with me the longest is Lisa. She's been working with me for about six and a half years at this point. She's my primary admin person. So she handles all of the speaking side of my business. So when I'm booked for something, she takes care of all the details and logistics. So she handles my calendar and my schedule. When we schedule interviews and meetings, she handles all of that stuff. She's done bookkeeping and now works primarily with our bookkeeper and CPA to make sure they just have what they need. So she's mostly kind of in an operations type of role. She, again, she's never been full-time. Her schedule ranges from anywhere from anywhere from like 10 to 20 hours a week or so, depending on what we have going. And she's paid primarily hourly and then again on a per event basis for things related to speaking engagements. So that's Lisa. Jeff. Jeff is my primary web and tech guy. He's worked with me for almost two years. He's based in Canada. Handles most everything technical from uh, setting up webinars to handling our email service provider to working with the various tools that we use, such as Lead Pages, Samcart, Active Campaign, all those different online tools. He makes sure they all play together. So he works about 20 hours per week uh, pretty consistently, uh, sometimes more, and is paid on an hourly basis. Jordan. Jordan's been working with me for almost a year at this point. Handles a few different roles. Uh, she started off handling all of our social media, which she still does, but now she handles a lot of our customer service inbox. And in fact, that's what we're getting ready to hire for because she also works as kind of a community manager for our students in our courses and in our Facebook groups. So if you are in our Facebook groups, then you've probably interacted with Jordan before. So she's kind of the face there. So it actually, we're, because that's becoming a bigger role, then we're going to bring on someone else to help with the kind of the customer support type of role where she's doing that. And that takes usually around five to 10 hours a week right now on email customer support, sometimes a little bit more there, depending on, again, what we have going on. So these would be the three main people that I interact with most on a daily and weekly basis. But and we also have several contractors we work with regularly. So 
We've got a gal uh, who's based in California who does the show notes for every single podcast episode. She does it for this show. She does it for the last podcast that I did. And so we pay her a flat amount per episode. So every single episode, we give her the audio file and she will take that and turn it into actual show notes that we put on the site. So she gets images, she gets the links, she puts it all together in WordPress. So she takes care of all of that. We have a different guy, RJ, who's based in the Philippines and he actually does the podcast editing for each episode. So I record the episode episode or the interview. And then I send RJ the various files and he sends them back to us and that kind of a final edited file. So he's done f- over 200 episodes for us and we pay him a flat amount per episode. So again, the gal that does the show notes, then RJ who does the editing, both of those are paid on a per episode basis, basically a per project basis. So I'm not paying them hourly. I'm not paying them any type of salary like that. It's just every time we do a podcast episode, I know I have those two expenses that they're going to take care of. Josh and Aaron handle all of our Facebook and Instagram ads. We pay them on a retainer each month. So there's a bunch. We do a lot with Facebook and Instagram ads. So they handle all of that. Mark does some work with Twitter and Instagram for us. Again, we pay him a retainer each month as well. Kelsey, who happens to be my sister, does all our graphic design work. So I pay her on a per project basis. Uh, And then we also have a few other contractors overseas who work with us on some web and coding projects for us. But basically, again, as you can see here, we've got a big mix of people here who do a variety of different tasks. And so some of them are working on a weekly and monthly basis, and several are just on kind of one-off projects here and there. So bottom line with all of this, is to only hire when it makes sense for you to hire. And again, make sure that you hire for the role that makes sense for your business. So again, those questions that we talked about that we've kind of walked through here, do you even need to hire? Again, making sure that you even need to hire. You may not need to hire right now or may not need to hire for a little while. And again, if you're going to hire, you don't need to hire for sales, all right? So uh, number question number two we talked about is what should you hire someone to do? Making those three lists that we cover, we talked about the tasks that you don't like doing, the tasks that you don't know how to do, and then the tasks you feel that you shouldn't be doing. Question number three, we talked about how much you should pay the person and just being clear on that. Again, you don't need to hire a full-time person. You don't need to offer a bunch of benefits or anything like that. You can just hire a couple hours per week even. That's totally fine. And then again, finally, we talked about who's the right person and where do you actually find that person. So I recommend that you start within your own network, whether that be personally or professionally. And then again, just doing a trial run when you actually find that person. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that chit chat chatteroo all about hiring staff and uh, building your team. Hey, as always, feel free to stop by thespeakerlab.com. Let us know what you're chewing on, what you're wrestling with, anything we can do to help you and support you in your speaking business. Feel free to email us anytime, support at thespeakerlab.com. We want to help you build and grow your speaking business. So let us know what we can do for you. We'll catch you next time, my friends. You're awesome.